Social attitude this morning. I'm a little under the weather and didn't want to share, so I wanted to be able to practice in selfishness but not sin. Right? So it's great to see you be here this morning, both members of Visual Life. And praise God for your attendance. Let's go to God and pray. I'm asking for a merciful God in heaven. Thank you for this wonderful day that you granted unto us, allowing us to live and move and have our very being. Where Thankful to you, Lord God, for strengthening us and protecting us and for allowing us this opportunity to remember Jesus, to uh, take the Lord's Supper and to proclaim to the world that Jesus died, was buried, but rose again. Thank you for all that you've done and for all that you do. It's in his magnificent name we pray and thank you. To be that way. Amen. This morning, losing the fear of God is a, is a very interesting subject. I want to start off with the animals and think about the reports that we have heard uh, over over years and times where where animals have lost their fear of God. Foxes in particular right now is kind of in the news, it's all around, that they've adapted to, to living in close proximity to humans and have learned to scavenge in urban areas. And so it's causing a, a huge problem. They become custom accustomed to a human presence and are often seen walking boldly down the streets and they even will walk up to humans and, and if you will, and search and seeking for food. Some animals have lost their natural fear because of a regular interaction with humans. Raccoons, same problem. Coyotes, the same problem. Living in Alaska, we know about the moose situation. We're not supposed to feed them. But all this is due to various factors such as urbanization, habitat destruction, and, and feeding by humans. What do we do about that? And the answer is really, there's not a lot you can do about it except for if we stop feeding the, the animals, maybe things will go back to the natural order. I want to go to Genesis chapter 9. There's this shift, if you will, when animals lose their fear of humans. And Genesis 9, beginning of verse 1, here's the command of God. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And the fear of you and the terror of you shall be on every beast of the earth and on every bird of the sky and on everything that creeps on the ground and all the flesh of the sea into your hand they are given. And every moving thing that is alive shall be food for you. I give all to you as I gave the green plant. That was God's order. And that still is God's order. But then there's this natural order that, that is being um, challenged, if you will. I'm going to Genesis chapter 1 because of different things in our environment. And Genesis 1, in verse 26, the Bible says, Then God said, Let us make man in our own image, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it 
and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Jeremiah chapter 2, please. Wild animals living without the fear of humans poses a potential problem. But what about the reverse scenario? Humans losing their natural fear of God. Losing that natural fear of eternal punishment. Maybe, maybe that's why we're facing some of the things that we're facing today. I want you to look for just a moment at Judah and Israel in Jeremiah chapter 2 beginning at verse 19. Your own wickedness will correct you and your apostasies will reprove you. Know therefore and see that it is evil and bitter for you to forsake the Lord your God and the dread of me is not in you, declares the Lord God of hosts. The dread of me, the fear of me is not in... What was going on in the hearts and minds of Judah? In verse 20, For long ago I broke your yoke and tore off your bonds, but you said, I will not serve. For on every high hill and under every green tree you have lain down as a harlot. Verse 13, For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, to hew out for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Isaiah chapter 3. Isaiah chapter 3. And please, as we're reading these scriptures and thinking about this passage, ask yourself, if, if Judah could grow to the point, and Israel, where they didn't even care, they didn't even care, is it possible that we could do likewise? Isaiah 3 and verse 8. For Jerusalem has stumbled and Judah has fallen because their speech and their actions are against the Lord to rebel against his glorious presence. The expression of their faces bears witness against them and they display their sin like Sodom. They do not even conceal it. Woe to them for they have brought evil on themselves. God says they're not even trying to hide their sin. They're so flagrant about their sin. They're so careless about their lives. They're not even trying to hide it anymore. 1 Kings in verse chapter 22. Throughout the book of Jeremiah, you'll find that Israel or Judah had lost their, their fear of God. And God urges them continually throughout the book to repent and turn back to God. He urges them, encourages them to Get that fear back of God in their hearts. And they refused. And they were carried off into captivity. He urges them to recognize the sovereignty of God and submit to the will of God. Here's another one. King Ahaziah. King Ahaziah didn't lose his fear for God. He never had it. 
in verse 20, uh, 51, rather, excuse me. Ahaziah, the son of Ahab, became king over Israel in Samaria in the 17th year of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, and he reigned two years over Israel. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord and walked in the way of his father and in the way of his mother and in the way of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who caused Israel to sin. So he served Baal and worshipped him and provoked the Lord God of Israel to anger according to all that his father had done. He had no fear. None. And he knew uh, through Elijah the prophet the prophecies that were against his father. And he knew how his father died. He knew everything about his mother and his father and yet he didn't follow God. I'm going to chapter 16. He followed after his mother and his father in evil. He had no fear of God in his heart whatsoever. And who was his father? Ahab and his mother Jezebel. Verse 29, Now Ahab the son of Omri became king over Israel in the 38th year of Asa king of Judah. And Ahab the son of Omri reigned over Israel in Samaria 22 years. And Ahab the son of Omri did evil in the sight of the Lord more than all who were before him. And it came about as though it had been a trivial thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, that he married Jezebel, the daughter of Ithbah, king of the Sidonians. And he went to serve Baal and worshipped him. So he erected an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which he built in Samaria. And Ahab also made the Asherah. Thus Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel than all the kings of Israel who were before him. And his son was just like him. No fear. No fear. I'm afraid, church, that... I want to turn to Luke chapter 18, please. That the world, and maybe even we in the Lord's church have lost that natural fear of God. We've lost that natural fear of, of eternal punishment, of hell. We've lost that natural fear. It's like, you know, God's not going to do it. Everything is just fine. It's almost like in James where the Bible says that everyone's going on every day like everything's the same. And God's not going to do it, right? God's not going to do anything about our sins. God's not going to end the world. God's not going to do it. But church, he is. And he will. And the question is, are we ready? Are we ready? Or have we just lost the fear? You know, God, I don't care. It doesn't really matter. Luke 18, verse 1. Listen to this judge. The attitude of the, the judge. The mindset of the judge. Now he was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not lose heart saying there was a certain city a judge who did not fear God and did not respect man. He had no fear, no respect of God, no fear of man. And the early, the early people of God in the New Testament, Mark chapter 7, they had another problem to add on top of that. They also were not afraid to take God's word and substitute it for something else, right? They didn't really care. He said, okay, here's God's word, and here's God's law. And they found 
or should I say, created loopholes, right? They created loopholes that would allow them to disobey God and supposedly get away with it. Mark chapter 7, beginning at verse 5. The Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat their bread with impure hands? And he said to them, Rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you, hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrine the precepts of men, neglecting the commandment of God. You hold to the traditions of men. He was also saying to them, You nicely set aside the commandment of God in order to keep your tradition. How can we... How can we excuse ourselves from doing the right things in order to keep our traditions, which may be contrary to the will and the word of God? You know, to think that way, you have to say we're looking at a people who've lost their fear of God. Romans chapter 3. I wonder today, have we lost our fear of God? And then of Saul, I would ask the question, was it ever even there? Romans 3 and and verse 9. Speaking of the world. What then? Are we better than they? Not at all. But we have already charged that both Jews and Greeks are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, not even one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks for God. All have turned aside and together they have become useless. There is none who does good. There is not even one. Their throat is an open grave. With their tongues they keep deceiving. The poison of asps is under their lips. Whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to run or to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their paths. In the path of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. So you begin to ask this question. Let's turn back to Ecclesiastes chapter 8. You say, Lord, why is there no fear? You know, church, why is that? There's no fear of God. Why are we losing our fear of God? Why have we lost our fear of God? Why has the world lost its fear of God or not have that fear of God? Why God? Ecclesiastes chapter 8 and verse 11 gives us kind of a little bit of a clue. And it says, Because the sentence against an evil deed is not executed quickly, therefore the hearts of the sons of men among them are given fully to do evil. You know, I mean, you think about this for a moment. If uh, you're driving down the street and, uh, and then all of a sudden you say something you're not supposed to say and everybody in your car hears you and then all of a sudden you fall over with some kind of an illness, probably no one else in the car is going to say that, right? And in other words, if God used or exercised some kind of uh, punishment rapidly against us when we commit this, this sin or this evil toward him, maybe then... Maybe then mankind wouldn't go as far as we've gone. 
maybe then we would, we would learn the lessons that are presented before us. But that's not how God does this. Romans chapter 1, please. That's not how God does this. Instead, God allows us to have a free will, to choose to live, to act, and to speak the way that we determine to be right. But we're all accountable. I wonder if we've lost our fear of God. So watch what happened in the minds of man. Mankind has brought God down to be our equal. Right? Kind of brought him down. And now he's our, our equal, so we don't have to fear our equal. And that's what God speaks of in Romans chapter 1. In verse 18, for the wrath of God. The wrath of God. God is not happy. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in righteousness. God is not our equal, church. For the wrath of God is against those who have no fear of Him. Because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. None of us can say we don't know. No one in the world can say we don't know. We know, but we suppress the truth, making God our equal. So then we don't have to fear Him. For since the creation of the world is invisible attributes, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. I don't know how many times I've looked up at the sun and said to myself, you know, I know one thing about the sun. I didn't put it there. And neither did you. So whoever put the sun there is greater than the sun. Have I lost my fear? of the creator of the universe. God says that we're without excuse. And then he begins to help us to understand what really is going on in our minds. We're suppressing what we know to be right. You know what you're supposed to do. I know what I'm supposed to do. I know how I'm supposed to live. But I choose not to because it's my choice. It's my free will. And so what I do is I suppress the truth that God is not my equal and that God will hold me accountable, I suppress the truth just so I can live the way I want to live. And then verse 21, getting back into our minds, for even though they, they knew God, we know God, they did not honor Him as God. Or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be smarter than God, <laughs> professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image 
in the form of corruptible man and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. It's easier to make those things our gods because then we dictate to them what's right. But they're not gods. There's only one God. And we cannot dictate to him what is right. Have I lost my fear of God? For the wrath of God is revealed. So this morning, you know you can walk away saying, well, I know one thing for sure. God's wrath is revealed against all unrighteousness and ungodliness of men. And then he goes one step further in verse 24. And he says, therefore God gave them over. Okay, now I get it. So what's happening is, as man loses its fear or their fear of God, God turns us over and says, okay, if that's the way you want to live your life, you have a free will. God turns us over and allows us to live the life that we choose. But understand this. We are accountable to God for our actions. Therefore, God gave them over to the lust of their hearts, to impurity, that their bodies might be dishonored among them, for they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature. Wait a minute. That's a problem, isn't it? They worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. That's the problem. See, I'm going to live in sin, right? And so in order for me to live in sin, I've got to serve the creature, right? Some kind of creature, whether it be Satan himself or some animal or something that I erect. In order for me to live in sin, I've got to serve the creature and disregard the creator. Okay, I'm, I'm getting there, Lord. I'm, trying, I'm, I'm starting to understand the psychology of this old brain of mine. Genesis chapter 20. And so what is it that happens in our, in our hearts, in our minds? See, the reality is we're, we're mocking God by treating him as our equal. All right, let's ask Abraham. Abraham, tell us, tell us something about people not having the fear of God. So here's what, here's what Abraham says in Genesis chapter 20, beginning at verse 9. Then Abimelech called Abraham and, and said to him, Why have you done or what have you done to us? And how have I sinned against you that you have brought on me and on my kingdom a great sin? You have done to me things that ought not to be done. Remember when Abraham said that she's, speaking of Sarah, she's my sister? And then God cursed them. God cursed Abimelech and all his people. He says, why have you done this? You've done something to me that, that ought not have been done. In verse 10, And Abimelech said to Abraham, What have you encountered that you've done this thing? And Abraham said, Because I thought surely there is no fear of God in this place and they will kill me because of my wife. See, when there's no fear of God, turn on the news, church. When there's no fear of God, you will witness things that you never thought you'd ever witness in your life. The wickedness that we find in humanity when there's no fear of God, mankind will do ruthless and wicked and evil things beyond compare. Proverbs chapter 14. The fear of God is necessary 
for us to rid ourselves or this world of evil. There has to be something, right? There has to be some fear in order to make me accountable and make me say, hey, I'm not going to do that. You know how you drive down the street and if you haven't gotten your, your mind right in, in the regards to that little sign on the street, you know, it's, it's, it's a sign that's white with black letters and it, it has a speed limit on it. And, you know, you just disregard it until what? Yeah, until you see an officer. Then all of a sudden, you wanna, now you want to check, right? Make sure you're doing, oh, am I doing, I'm okay. I'm hitting the brakes and everything, right? Why don't you just do the speed limit? Because there's no fear. There's no fear until we get caught. There's no fear until the law shows up. Don't you realize that God's already, already here? Don't we realize that God is already here in today and in tomorrow and in the rest of our day throughout this day? Why not just fear God? Proverbs 14 and verse 16. A wise man is cautious and turns away from evil, but a fool is arrogant and careless. Okay? Psalm, Psalm 112. Psalm 112 and the verse is 1. Praise the Lord. How blessed is a man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. Okay, I'm getting more information, God. The man that fears God is blessed. Okay, Psalm 128. So we kind of have that backwards. We think, oh, look at this guy. He's got, he has so much, so he's blessed by God. Oh, the man that fears God. Psalm 128 in verse 1. He's blessed in this life and the life to come. How blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. And I want to close, just, I want to close with one scripture. Proverbs chapter 16. I want to wrap this whole thing up in a, in a little, in a package here. In verse 4. Proverbs 16 and verse 4. The Lord has made everything for its own purpose, even the wicked for the day of evil. Everyone who is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Assuredly, he will not be unpunished. By loving kindness and truth, iniquity is atoned for. And by the fear of the Lord, one keeps away from evil. The fear of the Lord is what keeps me away from evil. This morning... Do you fear the Lord? How did you live your life last week? you fear the Lord? What kind of words are you using? Do you fear the Lord? What things are we doing that maybe we ought not do? Do you fear the Lord? The fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord will keep one away from evil. The lesson is yours this morning. Perhaps there are some who would like to surrender to the Lord in the waters of baptism. The opportunity is there for you. God has given it or granted it. If you need prayers made in your behalf, if we can help in any way, please make it known. While together we stand and sing our song of invitation.
Jesus for the cleansing power. 